0: Orville
1: Roach. Happy New Year! Oh, not oh, that show. My bad. <laughs> not
2: quite yet. Not quite yet. But we're getting there. It's right around the corner.
1: Right around the corner.
2: What a what a weekend, huh? What a what a weekend of of football. I, I kind of want to save it for the segment, but I owe you a thanks, which I'll give to you in the in the upcoming segment. But uh, your past couple of weeks, was it good? How 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 have things been? I we haven't checked in since uh, since Thanksgiving, I believe, no? Or did we right after? Maybe right after the Tuesday afternoon. Well, this
1: after. is our first show in December, so I think the last now days before so it was the week after yeah. Thanksgiving. It was our last show.
2: Okay. Okay, great. So holidays are ramping up though. How is the, the household for you holding up
1: there with all the,
2: the babies and, and everything else that's happening in, in the Roach household?
1: A lot of noise and you know I'm anti-noise That's true I'm getting ready to slam down An executive order on noise <laughs> At any moment that might be coming I don't know, I'll see how I feel tonight
2: Oh man, great, great Well, let's just get right into it <music> We thank you, Uh, San Francisco 49ers fans, as a New Yorker. We thank your New York Jets for managing to dig deep in a game that really didn't matter to either team in order to uh, save the integrity of our draft position. Thank you for that.
1: Oh, you're very welcome.
2: (laughs) Epic, Um, epic collapse.
1: (laughs) We're just trying to see if uh, we got a quarterback in Bryce Petty, so... Well, if Price Petty
2: doesn't pan out, you might have a quarterback in Colin Kaepernick. But well, <laughs> uh,
1: thank you, but
2: no, thank you. We'll have to see how that goes. Your boys took a loss in a hard-fought division battle, but uh, you want to you want to touch on that a little bit. I'm sure.
1: Yep. Um, as I've been writing, it's a it was a necessary loss, even though it was to a division rival. Mm-hmm. The question is, how do you bounce back? Who's their next opponent? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. That's right. But um, <clears throat> I think I texted you and told you how Cowboy Nation has clouded memories. Yes. From yesteryear, the early night, the '90s dynasty, as if they never lost a game.
2: Right. They never right. played
1: bad. You know, never had to struggle. You know, ten-seven games. You know, sixteen, thirteen games, etc. It wasn't always 35-24. Right, you know right. what I mean? Um, especially in, in December, December and January. Oh yeah. So ugly um, games. But a un- necessary type of game for the youngsters to experience. And that's how it should be. So both teams even though the Giants won, both teams have to look at, you know, how do we, you know, because it was a great defensive you know, yeah, struggle. You, you knew it was going to be struggle, one yeah. play either way was going to do it. And, but both quarterbacks played terrible. So they both got to go back to the drawing board because they all, both teams have tough, tough games closing out the year. That's right. There's no gimmies.
2: That's right. I'll ask you one, one question. Uh, and we don't even have to talk about the league, although I'm sure one of them will win it for the league, but for the Cowboys, MVP. Out of your two rookies, who is it? Zeke. Okay. You'll he,
1: even, even though the quarterback is the hardest position to play. Yeah. But uh, he should have had 35 rushes minimum, rushing attempts. That's the type of game where um, you feed him, you use him on the dump-off screens or dump-off checkdowns. He should have had 35 rushes. Fifteen extra touches on passes, a total of maybe fifty times touching the ball. The dude is twenty; just turned twenty-one. I was
2: going to ask, you, what are your thoughts behind this whole pitch count? You know, like the the rookies.
1: I with mean, their pitch what are you count? saving this dude for? I remember Jimmy Johnson with Emmitt Smith back in the nineties, and people was, were worrying about how I mean, you know this guy's getting so many carries. And he's like, "I am riding his ass till the wheels fall off." Yeah,
2: and right. They That's rode what his ass to
1: three Super Bowls.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: okay. Excuse my language. Yeah, no, hey, so you got your running back. As- Even though I'd be able to say to my mother, well, ass is in the Bible. True. <laughs> but I would never dare say that because I would get the look.
2: Yeah, yeah, you don't want
1: what's coming after that. Watch yourself now. <laughs> don't be using the Bible excuse. Right. Hell is in the Bible. Say heck. <laughs> right, yeah, Exactly.
2: All right, so you got the halfback as as your rookie with Dak you know, as a
1: close runner-up, i say. You know, say. speaking of my mother, by the way, folks, we're going to be all over the place today. Uh, you know, the word lie was not about to, allowed to be used in my household. She didn't like that word. Okay, what did we go with? Uh, she said you can say the person told, in, like if we were talking, family, about our, talking about one of our untruth. brothers and sisters, you know, they're liars, or they lied. She didn't like that word. She said you could say they told an untruth. There you go. So I'm not sure what it was about the word that she didn't like, but... Yeah,
2: I know some uh, And I don't know
1: if it was a, a Jamaican thing either I'll have to ask her that
2: i have to say, I know some adults Older adults who are not too fond of the word liar either mm-hmm. It's like a crude or a crass kind of term mm-hmm. Fibber, uh, or an untruth I've never mm-hmm. heard that one It's a, it's a decent, it's the, it's the proper way to, to state that somebody lied
1: I think it might have something to do with the British colonization <laughs>
2: It may. Yeah, it certainly may. Trauma and remnants from the British. (laughs) Uh, I got nothing for the Niners other than it looks like Cleveland will probably run the table in the opposite direction and they will keep their number one slot, which I'm fine with because as far as I've heard any of the, uh, you know, the college experts state sounds like there's not like a really true what one might think of as like a number one overall talent coming out of college. There's a lot of really good talent and a lot of first round talent, but I think the way somebody related that on ESPN was that when anybody thinks of true value as a number one overall pick, it is in the form of a quarterback. So even though you might, there might be a great future left tackle for a team, which is going to provide a lot of value people don't normally see that as like what they would equate to being who you want that number one overall pick to be. You want it to be a quarterback to start with, to yeah. start with. And there's not that guy coming you, out of college this year.
1: And if there isn't you to try and find a cataclytic player mm-hmm. at some other position, right? Game changing cornerstone player. Right. And then move on. So we'll see. You guys are at the second mm-hmm. slot right now. Second slot right now. So we'll, we will have to see. Yep. Larry Thomas. Yes. Uh, Retired. Last.
2: I think December 8th
1: was was the official last day. Last day. We acknowledged him on the 7th, which was his last staff meeting. So um, 1988, I mean, a long time. I know the plaque or he showed 70, me said 80. like, twenty-two or twenty-three years of service. No, twenty-nine.
2: Or oh, twenty-nine. That's yeah. right. Twenty-nine. Yeah. Yeah, that is a long time. Wow.
1: And and let's not. It wasn't a plaque, by the way. It was because we were planning on spoofing him. Oh, okay. Prior to, but it didn't pan out because you know when you you know you. You spend 50 years with a company at the end, and when you retire, they give you the, gold, the proverbial gold watch. Right, 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 right. So me and Elizabeth were going to go to a dollar store and get him a gold plate. <laughs> a gold plate <laughs> the the
2: watch. one that'll turn green, on, turn his skin green or turn green on him. A gold play, funny. Of,
1: gold plate watch. But in, in the tradition of uh, retirement um, gifts, uh, we did want him to get him some, ty- some type of timepiece. Sure. And, uh, but we wanted, we didn't want it to be a watch, something that he can easily put in his dresser drawer or something like that. We wanted it to be something that he would have to display somewhere prominently. And so it was, it's a mantle. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Clock, Clock. um, Mm -hmm. with our OCG colors and a the little, you know, little little scripture on it.
2: Um, it was like a picture of the globe too. Yeah. yeah. So we wanted
1: to, and, and that's a little, uh,
2: Like a throwback to
1: Daytop, the Daytop logo. That was a little hello sign to Daytop. Yeah, yeah. So so a a brief story that I told in the staff meeting, I'm going to say here uh, for posterity. Um, I met Larry Thomas when I was a two-month resident at Swan Lake, (laughs) standing in the lunch line. And uh, he and a group of other staff persons had just been introduced to the family because they had just finished their staff training were assigned to work at Swan Lake and they were introduced to the family right before lunch. Um, as the you know new staff member is going to be working at the facility, et cetera. Yeah. And then, so lunch was called, I got on the lunch line and he was, I think three persons behind me. Okay. And I, I said to the three people, like one at a time, you know, you know, you can go in front of me, you can go in front of me I'm trying to work my way back to Larry Yeah And um, I didn't even introduce myself And tell him what my name was or anything like that What I wanted to find out from him Was, uh, you know, what's the secret To, you know Surviving this place Because at two months you're still trying to Learn 250 people
3: right Their right. names and, you know,
1: this whole thing And he simply stated Which I have then since used With others Um, Whatever you do Just don't leave
2: That's right I remember you telling me that Just don't
1: leave So I've thrown that same thing Down the line Whenever clients have come to me And they're at their wits end And their last straw And the camel is Officially broken And blah 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 And I said look Go through whatever You gotta go through Say what you gotta say Et cetera et cetera But whatever you do Just don't leave It will pass So that same advice, you know, as simple as it was, it it was at the same time. That's great advice. Great advice. Yeah. It's, you know, especially in the the environment of a residential facility when you're so when you when you're so self-contained and you you can't escape purposely, of course, uh, certain people and certain dynamics. You're forced to confront them, forced to face them, and you know every day, you know, it's so on and so forth. And it's designed that way. We're purposely creating an environment that creates feelings and, so that you can experience dealing with them and learning about them and coping with them and making better decisions behind them, blah, 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 blah. Right. And so by not leaving, you get that experience and then experience the, you know, the work, the dealing with, the coping, and all that stuff. So it was uh, eternal advice that everyone, myself and others that he's told continue to hand down. Um, he also kind of paved the way for the the California Exodus, or the Exodus to California, for uh, a number of people that uh, ended up coming out to work in what became known as Daytop California. Mm-hmm. Um, they and I didn't know this specifically. He mentioned, "Were you? Were you did you, were you? Did you reach that meeting in time to hear him when he talked about this?"
2: No. Uh, okay.
1: So. Daytop was specifically looking for a black staff person. Okay. Okay. Um, Reasons unbeknownst to me. Um, And he was recommended uh, if he would be interested in, in going. Now, at the time, and what he said to us was that, he It was his desire to continue to uh, be affiliated with Daytop, become a counselor, work in the field, because um, he believed that um, it was something he wanted to do and something that would continue his growth as he went through his own recovery process. Um, and so he went out to California, and he committed to one year, and he was – Extremely intent on returning back to New York because he wasn't feeling it, uh, lonely, sure, uh, sure. et cetera, et cetera. And then he said, so here I am 29 years later. All <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. Um, but unbeknownst to both of us at the time, the universe works in various ways when Larry was again uh, recommended to uh, lead DATOP's foray into the adult world, services world here in California, um, he was recommended to be the project manager, director, etc. And as a result, um, that was going to open up a position in the adolescent program as a counselor position. Yeah. And that position opening up created the opportunity for Wayne Butler, the director of Parksville, where I was working at the time, to recommend or ask me and my wife, when he dragged us in, both um, to r- suggest to us and recommend to us that, you know, you guys need a change of scenery. Go out to California. Um, and we have the option, you have an option of either going to Texas or California. And of course we said we're not going to Texas. <laughs> um <laughs> And but the opportunity to go to California only came about because Larry accepted going becoming the director at the new at the adult, adult, sure. adult program. I didn't find this out until some years afterwards that these things happening behind the scenes is what created the opportunity. Yeah, you know what I'm saying.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and then of course Wayne Butler, who my wife and I will always consider an angel. Um, 'cause somehow he found out that we were uh that we were hanging on by threads in terms of us making it through this you know experience right and um I don't know how he found i don't know if someone overheard a conversation we were having or conversations that we were having um or what I don't know how he know found out or if he just suspected or whatever, but he knew that we were struggling, okay. I, I, evidently he knew because yeah. the words exact words out of his mouth was before you two end up killing each other. So he knew. I think you guys can uh um you know need you benefit, a, from. benefit from a change of scenery. You need to get out of Liberty, New okay. York. Okay. Okay. Um so and of course that for us was the, the, a, a lottery ticket. Wow. A winning lottery ticket for us. So um but Crazy how it's everything... interesting to learn the backstory yeah, of how yeah. all of this comes to pass, um, and then who's connected to it in various tentacles and various sure, ways.
3: Sure.
1: And so um, that's how Larry's connected to that, and then other people, of course, followed behind me that come out to California, yeah, etc. <clears throat> so one of the things I didn't say, when you know, in my because I made it clear that we were not having a Retirement celebration. We were having a thank you sure, celebration sure. Okay. Um, for his service and dedication um, um, to not only OCG and, and Daytop first OCG second, and, but dedication and, and to addicts. Period, and, and helping addicts. And one of the things that I didn't say um, in the in the meeting was. You know, he, uh, you know, Larry had a way, a way about him, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you can probably describe it as soothing.
3: Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and, and which was very. Uh, attracting to, to clients in distress. To have someone with a kind of a soothing personality, um, you know, doesn't, you know, overreact one way or the other. Um, calm, you know, calm personality. Easy to talk to, easy to approach. Which, you know, what's the reason that I would I would just approach him in, in, in the in the lunch line? What you know, what was it about him? Right. You know what I mean, right. I, I'm not the type of person that would just approach people. You know, that's just not my quote unquote nature, especially you know that time. You know what I mean? So what, Something about what him. was it that he was? What was the vibe that he was giving off? That you made know you' drawn that right that made me feel comfortable enough to you know w- you know make backward steps in the lunch line, <laughs>
2: yeah, letting people know, cut run, and... <laughs> and
1: and normally you don't let people cut no <laughs> no in the lunch line. not in the lunch <laughs> line so um we we wanted to uh, make it a thank you celebration and acknowledge him for for his uh his service and of course, I always tell people well you know we're like the firm, if you ever seen the movie or read the book, which is better? uh you know once we got our hands on you and our tentacles on you you know we you know know, we never let you go even though you may depart us and leave and move on to a different uh experience in your life you're still here we got you (laughs) that's right as long as we got your address and phone number
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's right it's awesome man 29 years and like you said i mean yeah with the organization but The the overall, the overarching point of of 29, call it 30 years, because I'm sure on phase four, there was some giving back there before he was officially employee, Mm -hmm. you know, that you you spent 30 years, that's over half his life, dedicated to giving back, helping Mm -hmm. others who, who, you know, share similar struggles that he shared himself. Mm -hmm. Um, Which kind of speaks to that personality of his that you mentioned, that someone would would have that kind of a personality because it's almost geared to comfort others mm-hmm. and make others feel, you know, anyone can get through this kind of, kind of thing. And it's, and it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. So that's, um that's really, really cool. Yeah. He showed me the clock and uh, I think there was like a, maybe like a gift card in there or something, which he was excited about he's and an, he's an avid
1: fisherman. So yeah, really that's, right. that's right.
2: That's right and he yeah he was already saying oh he already knows exactly where he's going to put put the uh put the clock put the mantelpiece um
1: so yeah uh, really really cool now the thomas name is actually pretty well known in the Daytop world because of his sister Maxine Thomas who for a long time was um a director over the women's programming mm-hmm. for Daytop um and did a wonderful job and so um You know, for the time that while simultaneously while Maxine was still with Daytop and Larry's with Daytop, the Thomas name was very prominent. Sure. However, um, in the classic case of it's not what you know, it's who you know, you know, Larry's uh, foray into Daytop. Was not the the usual uh, struggle, if you will.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Different path laid out. Uh,
1: So he told, he did tell the story. The carpooling, if you will. He did tell the story of um, that he was probably the only person that entered into Daytop on Christmas Eve. Hmm. Because they just didn't take admissions. You know, there's a, you know, to a certain time of the holiday season, yeah. High risk kind time. of shut, 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 shut down everything, and then reopen the the spigot after January you know, <laughs> one, right? <laughs> right, right. But you know, he was able through connections to finagle a <laughs> uh, entry on the twenty fourth Christmas Eve, yeah. And he was late. Oh boy! So he got turned away. Wow! And he was heading back to the South Bronx, and he was he was in Far Rockaway. And you stopped at a pay phone. This lets you know how long ago it was, pay phone, right? Sure, yeah. And uh, he said, let me you know, let my sister know so that she doesn't hear it from somewhere else and then she's going to get on him and all that stuff, right? Because you know, part of the process, and even to this day if with OCG, part of the process is when we tell you to come at 10 o'clock, you better we be mean here. 10 o'clock. We don't mean 10.01. We don't mean 10, 10.13, as a matter of fact, you mean nine fifty-five? Nine, yeah, <laughs> ten o'clock means nine fifty-five, right? Mm-hmm. He said he was about a minute or two late, and they turned him away. Yeah. And when he got to the train station, he, you know, said, "Let me call my sister and let her know." He called her, and she said, "Hold on a second. And obviously, she made a call back to Far Rockaway, and I guess either twisted some arms or, you know, whatever. Okay. And he said, "Go back; they're waiting for you." Okay. So he was. Fortunate, and and you know, because he said his attitude was fine because he was just clown. He had money in his pocket. And he was going back to spend the holidays using,
2: yeah, and then right. come
1: back, you know, after the new year. The thing is, and even and as he properly stated, you know, his words were, you know, you know, sometimes God has a different plan because no one knows what may have ha- if he would have made it back. He even says he he may not have he may not have made it back. If it's true. There wasn't an intervening. So we joke and say, well, you know, it's not what you know, too, you know. We joke and say that. But the reality is that wherever and however the intervening comes from and however it manifests itself, it happened. He was able to get in the program, and then that started this journey right for him. And who knows if the journey would have got started if he would have – was allowed to continue on his way back to the South Bronx and start using and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I thought that was a very interesting story by him explaining his that, admission that into Daytop. The way um, the stars align. Yeah. Um. So I told him I didn't want to uh, hear from him for the first two months
2: okay. of his retirement.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, get settled in and get focused and get directed and all that good stuff, and then um, let us know. And
2: then, and then two months, you can come back to work.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll be as, you
1: know, as a matter of fact, uh, next Monday I'll be looking to see why he's not at work first thing Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that is awesome. What a great story. So this is. What I was meaning to say before, the the thing that hit me after that, um, because I didn't stay for the rest of the staff meeting. Once we did Larry's thing, um, they kind of went into their regular um, staff meeting. Sure, is the knowledge loss. Yeah, it's a significant knowledge loss, and what you are left with is hoping that one or two things happen Mm -hmm. either through the course of those 29 years that the person sufficiently dropped as much knowledge as As they possibly could and or their brain was picked. Yeah. Okay. Because sometimes you can have the knowledge and be ready, willing, able to drop it. But if there's no one kind of picking the the brain, acting as a catalyst, exactly. It becomes, you know, kind of, difficult because you can't just walk around you know theoretically you know just dropping knowledge yeah, so there has sure. to be a receiving and receptacle party um or parties plural to drop the, the knowledge and and then keep be the you know the the, the people that carry the torch so to speak yeah. in terms of the knowledge yeah so it's my hope and my my first my hope that you know that has happened over time, and then my belief that that it has, but even with that, there's always still a drop off because yeah everything that the person knows it's not humanly possible for you to drop it, even if you wrote a book, you couldn't cover everything, yeah, um so the torch carriers, whoever they may be, have to take what they have um, maybe the the person that left and has the not all that knowledge can be the the, uh, the dictionary or the the reference manual that you can refer back to <laughs> right, if they're right. available right um, and then you of course you add in whatever you bring to the table and I guess that's just the process
2: right yeah 29 years you know like you said so much so much knowledge is acquired over that period of time that a lot of it could even lay in the subconscious, like something you just know and kind of act upon. Right? And it might, you know, we use sports analogies a lot on this show, and it's maybe tie into why, you know, like they say, uh, you know, Joe Montana or or um, Tom Brady or whatever Jerry Rice. Just because you were one of the greatest at at whatever it was you did, doesn't mean that you can then pass on everything that you had, you, you can, you can give what you know on a conscious level, but then there are some things that are just kind of, you know, you picked up along the way that you don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. it becomes reaction mm-hmm. and something similar to that, where someone could probably pick his brain. Like you said, you could write a book, someone could pick his brain forever. And you know, you're only going to be uh, able to acquire so much,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, cause 29 years, a lot happens over that time that, can't be taught. It, it it comes with 29 years. Yes,
1: it's got to be experiential mm-hmm. at, cer- at a certain point. <clears throat> All right. All right. So I wanted to get that in the archives for Posteria. Yeah, purposes, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Regarding Mr. Larry Thomas, and um, we posted a, um, a picture of he and I on our Facebook page, and we me get a good picture of the clock so that people can see the
2: that's an actual timepiece.
1: Yeah. Writing on it. well, they can see that I think, not the writing. Oh, okay. Um, two idiots holding a clock can't <laughs> can't center it properly yeah, well, so t- <laughs> people can see it. Good, oh gracious. man! Yeah. Anyway, all right. Why don't we take a, a quick commercial break sure. and we'll come back with our topic, our holiday topic, our our first of two holiday topics, and we're, we're gonna because we're gonna have a back end holiday topic at the later end of this month.
2: Beautiful. Sounds good. Yep, we are going to uh, drop some sound bites to our other local purveyors out there, and we will be back with everybody on the other side. The Latino Commission Drug and Alcohol Treatment Services in South San Francisco was organized and incorporated in early 1991 and going on 22 years of providing services to our community. The Latino Commission, also known as TLC, would like to offer our services to those struggling with a substance use disorder, we have residential facilities for men, women, mothers and children, outpatient programs, transitional and SLE homes to assist and promote a successful recovery for individuals. We at the Latino Commission provide educational services on self-esteem, assertiveness, life management, coping skills, anger management, limits and boundaries, and other various subjects. The Latino Commission, restoring people holistically in an environment of love and understanding that represents our culture, improving quality of life.
0: You hear that? What you won't do, you do for love. You'll try anything, but you won't give up. That's the attitude you need to have in recovery. You've got to love or learn to love yourself first. You've got to be willing to try anything that will help you succeed. And most importantly, you can never give up visit us at ocgworks.org. OCG, where hope grows. Uh,
3: what you
2: The Children's Health Council in Palo Alto has been serving children, youth, and teens in San Mateo and Santa Clara counties, as well as the greater San Francisco Bay Area, for over 60 years. The goal of the agency is to remove barriers to learning, regardless of language, location, learning style, or ability to pay. At CHC, we specialize in ADHD, learning differences, anxiety and depression, and autism through our center, two schools, and community clinic. No matter how big or small the issue is, just call us and we'll help you navigate your child's journey together. Visit our website at www.chconline.org or call us at area code 650-688-3625. Again, that's area code 650-688-3625. At CHC, we're here for you. And CHC, estamos aquí para usted.
1: Welcome back to Roachown Recovery. Uh, Mr. Producer, you want me to tell, tell uh, our listening audience what that Spanish was that you uttered at the end of that initial uh, yeah. take?
2: Yeah, it was uh, exactly uh, what was said in English the line prior uh, at the Children's Health Council in CHC. We are here for you. Estamos aquí para usted. Oh, yeah. I was uh, actually just telling the host of the show as we were on that little break there. I remember... Uh did about fifty takes <laughs> doing these takes uh before we launched the show, and you know i've never done anything in radio, so I'm not familiar with mic etiquette and all the other things that go into it and so I had the mic way too close to my mouth as I was recording it, so every time I went to take a breath, it was very audible, and so I thought I nailed one and so I sent it over to the uh the host and his lovely wife and promptly got a response that I needed to redo that and do so as if I hadn't just run a marathon <laughs> because you could hear every breath. So funny, funny to think back on it, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, here we are. <clears throat> Time of year. You, you want
1: to hit us with it? The attitude of gratitude. Boom. Um, talking about gratitude and recovery. And, uh, recovery in general, recovery if you are Right now, in the midst of the treatment experience, at whatever level—outpatient, inpatient, um, whatever—sometimes it's hard, you know, to, if you are, let's say, on the front end of this process, to be grateful because you're you're not thinking about how fortunate you really are. You're thinking about, do I, you know, let's say, let's just focus on the residential environment, okay? hmm That's what we do mostly. That's where most of the stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. A lot of the action, most of the action happens. That's right. Um. All right, this is. I want to be careful with this comment because I want to keep it appropriate for the season and then separate out from my experience. Okay. So visually what I've experienced in terms of looking at other residents, I've, my experience has been that more often than not, people have found it difficult, especially during this time of the year to be grateful for being in
3: treatment. Sure. Okay.
1: I agree. There is, more often than not a preoccupation, and rightfully so. These are all human nature things, so we're not – I'm not poo-pooing them. just stating them as, as fact, right? Yeah. So there's a preoccupation with not being with my family, a preoccupation with just being somewhere other than where you're used to being during this time of the year. There's a lot of historical memories for people, good, bad, or ugly, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the things we try and, or a number of things we try and tease out, is where were you last year at this time? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, where were you last month? If you are very new, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and in that context, what does it mean to 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 be doing something different that's positive, no matter where you are in that process, day one two hundred, cetera, but you're doing something different, you're doing something that's positive. In the moment, it might be difficult to be grateful and and to be verbal about being grateful or even to be think, thinking to yourself about being grateful. But we wanted to bring the, bring bring it to the fore that there you know other than the generality of always being grateful that you're giving this opportunity to to be in recovery. Um, there's probably two or three times in the in the year that there are times where um, there should be those moments of reflection. Yeah, about uh, being grateful, and this is one of them. The holiday season, the uh, the religious holiday season, whether it's the Christian holiday, the, uh, the Jewish holiday, um, Kwanzaa if you celebrate that. Um, I've told you that I'm um, very, very, very upset at my mother mm. because of not finding out that my two great my my paternal I'm sorry my maternal and paternal great grandfathers okay okay were both Syrian Jews oh wow okay so and and that ended up in the West Indies
3: okay okay. And I
1: always say, I didn't find out about this until I was an adult and kind of researching the family, blah, blah, blah. Sure. And it's a little plug p- for Ancestry.com. Yeah, well, I haven't used that. But if I would have known this stuff when I was going through high school in New York City with all the Jewish holidays that they get, we were getting off. <laughs> <laughs> right by going to the deli and get a free That's sandwich. A, that was the only cause of my upset <laughs> at my mother. I said, That's you, funny. I would have taken off every one of those holidays. Uh, that's funny all right that was a side side story <laughs> um so we try and get the clients to you know purposely uh you know reflect on you know w- what's there to be grateful for and it it sometimes brings forth interesting thought you know from where where they're sitting at that moment in time yeah. and um Sometimes it's dark places. Sometimes it's um, not a realization that I'm I'm, I'm actually, even though emotionally and maybe even mentally, um, I haven't kind of moved off my spot. Mm -hmm. Okay. But physically and environmentally, I'm moved off my spot. And sometimes that's just a start. For me, I needed to be removed physically and environmentally off my spot going into treatment and fortunately heading up into the Catskill mountains, far away from the city environment. So you're just like on another planet, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So yes, it's, it's more difficult where we are and probably a lot of other treatment places because not everybody has the luxury of being up in the country out in the wilderness and away from You know civilization right, To work on themselves, find themselves And all of that, that that good stuff Right And then prepare yourself to re-enter the Civilized society Not everybody has that luxury of going up into the mountains And going out into the wilderness Some people, and, and more often than not The reality of programs is that they're in the belly of the beast The beast is right off the front door Like where we are, right?
2: Well, and it's funny I was going to mention that Um the, how relative that is, because, you know, for those of you listeners who don't know where we're located exactly in California, we, we have two locations on the peninsula and one is located in East Palo Alto, the other in Redwood City. Um, but I have heard clients who come to our Redwood City location that have been in our East Palo Alto location state They paint the picture as though the East Palo Alto location is like the mountain range you're talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. over there, you're away from everything. And right here, you look out the dining room window, and there's a A main street.
1: (laughs) thoroughfare, yeah.
2: And it's funny because we're both, I mean, both of these are nothing like you described. We're right here in the city, but just the difference between. Um, But it speaks to that clients do notice that as a part of their experience, Mm -hmm. that they're being removed from an environment that they've been in and placed somewhere in isolation to work on themselves and that clients notice that. Mm -hmm. So interesting point I thought I'd bring up.
1: And it's you're fortunate if you get that experience. Yeah, absolutely. You're fortunate if you get that experience because the reality is that's a luxury to be able to be re- physically removed and, and out of the environment so that you can mentally and emotionally focus on, you know, retooling and rebuilding yourself.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Not everybody gets that. And so even though we're, we are and many other programs are located in the belly of the beast where the action's happening out on the streets. Okay. And so the refuge is only behind our doors. So, to right, speak, right. Right. Um, but, even with that, because it's self contained it creates a sense of you know the the mean world out there, yes, and the safe, yeah, the safety in, and of the and the cocoon of the environment in here, and I don't think that can be understated I, and I know for me personally, that was part of my gratitude was that wow, you know i I would not be able to have done this if I had to stay in South Jamaica, Queens. Oh, sure. And do this. Sure. You know what I mean? Around all of this stuff and so no, I know I had to come out of my environment, okay? Get a break from it. Get a breather. See something different. Smell something different. Smell some cow manure and what, ha- and what right. have you. Get a, get a new definition of what fresh air actually is. You know what I mean? Sure. Etc. Yeah. And so, you know, I was extremely, extremely, extremely grateful for being, you know, able to experience that. Not everybody did. Some people, for whatever reason, stayed in the in the local outreaches. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or they did, they they didn't get a bed at, at a certain time and it didn't work out for them. Who knows? Okay. But um. So it's a different. It, it's trying to once you hear you know and ask the question to the family, and of course, we we always I think do that at a certain time when we have a seminar about gratitude and we want to hear from people, you know, what, you know, what, what are you grateful for? What do you have gratitude for or towards? Then it gives you some insight to where they are at that very moment in time. And then it it may present an opportunity for you as a staff person, et cetera. Yeah. To redirect, give some different perspective, et cetera. So, You know, like one of the oldest complaints in residential treatment is people complaining about the food. And I'm not saying with OCG, because we have a wonderful cook, by the way. So, (laughs) Right. (laughs) Usually the complaints, the food's too fattening. It's It's too rich. Yeah, too rich. rich. You know what I mean? And the food is Swan Lake. The cooks were fantastic there, too. So I have zero complaints. And I always wondered, who am I to dare, dare... Have the unmitigated gall <laughs> to, to, to even complain <laughs> about anything having to do with any of the meals. For example, I didn't start eating oatmeal and stuff like the cream of wheat and things of that nature until I entered Daytop. Yeah. I ate that stuff, quote unquote stuff. But I damn sure started eating it when I went into Daytop because that's what most breakfasts were Monday through. Friday, pretty much. Maybe Saturday was something different. Sunday was definitely brunch was usually something nice. Yeah, warm, right?
2: hot breakfast. Yeah, right.
1: But other than that, it was cold cereal or oatmeal or cream of wheat or whatever. That's right. And you got used to it real quick. Okay.
2: Used uh, so much, in fact, that I see little oatmeals around yeah, your yeah, office there, all the time. There you
1: go. And as a <laughs> matter of fact, it became a staple of my, my breakfast was right? uh, you know, apple, cinnamon, by the way. <laughs> and i'm still mad at um, what's the, what's that major company that makes Quaker? Yeah, cause, mad because they, they used to continue to flavor baked <laughs> baked apple was my main one yeah. for 12 years and it just disappeared. <laughs> just disappeared. Oh no, so you have a little so now, cinnamon in so your now stuff I now. Take the apple cinnamon close as i can get. <laughs> um <clears throat> so yeah, i and you you get the opportunity when we have this, the seminars on gratitude and and, and being grateful to redirect their attitude and their thought process to what really is important and why being grateful and what you can be grateful for and show gratitude for in the recovery experience is important as a thought process and a perspective because it assists you thinking wise, moving Mm -hmm. forward, how to look at things differently. Um, now let me ask you a question, Mr. Producer. Hit me with it. With your age, where where you are in your age category? Do you identify as a Generation Xer, or do you consider yourself a Millennial? That's wow. That's a great question. Uh,
2: I'll say, until Google calls me and offers to pay me two hundred thousand a year to go play on their campus, I'll consider myself a Generation, Generation X-er. Xer. Okay. <laughs>
1: So, um, by the way, another off topic while it's in my head. Do you know I was depressed for about two days when I found out that I was a baby boomer? <laughs> when you you fell into that demographic? Yeah, this was about five, seven years ago. Yeah. Because all these years, I thought the cutoff was like 1960, 1962, delay, something like that. And then when I found out the cutoff was 1964, which included me. Right, right, I, and and that's like the last year of the baby boomers. It just affected it did me. Did something to I, you? I huh? always felt okay. I was outside of that group, so I wasn't a baby boomer. Yeah, but I was in another group, which I didn't know what they called. Okay, but the baby boomers, which of course the major part of it was the 1950s. You know, sure right, was where. The, right, and then, so I was like, okay, I'm not a baby boomer. Thank goodness. And all of a sudden you they say the cut. I made the cut. It was so depressing
2: Yeah No, I'd have Mm. to I'd say Generation X I was born in 84 Mm -hmm. So I was still a teenager in the 90s Mm -hmm. You know, I mean the late 90s And my early teens But Mm -hmm. I still hit my teenage years in the 90s Mm -hmm.
1: So Yeah So you're a Generation Xer That's it So The reason I bring that question up Is One of the things that we deal with now Okay When you're in the past when we dealt with an older population and even in the daytop days, um, East coast and West coast, uh, older, older population. Um, the, there wasn't really that much of an issue, if any at all, maybe there was some stragglers. Okay. But with a sense of entitlement. Okay. Okay. So when you have, a younger population and a societal issue of a sense of entitlement. Now I'm not just call, speaking to any clients we have, or sure, et sure. Cetera, but just in general, Generally that, speaking, that yeah. age group, where it comes from, I have no idea. They haven't done, they haven't done Jack.
3: Right. But, <laughs> but right.
1: It might speak to other things, but so you have this sense of entitlement. If you, and no matter how small it is, if you have that and it's sitting there, wherever it's sitting within you, being grateful is incompatible with that. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Those are yeah. two incompatible um, spaces to, to occupy in terms of a being. You can't, have, you can't say, I'm owed this, I'm entitled to this, and at the same time be grateful. Be grateful, right. You know what I mean? You have to feel that, wow, you know, I feel blessed or I feel privileged to to be in this experience and, you know, et cetera, to then have the corresponding gratitude. That That makes sense. Yeah. So we deal with, you know, the overarching thing in the generation. I'm going to have to throw throw your group under the bus. Do it generation X or age and the millennial age which is younger um, that sense of entitlement and where it comes to, I'm going to have to do some investigation because I really want to know where that comes from
3: what's it, the roots.
1: right and obviously I, it's more to the millennials because i could we experience with the adolescent program the younger
3: generation oh, yeah.
1: absolutely has it generation not so much it exists let's say would you say 50-50 yeah okay.
3: yeah that's about whereas right. with
1: the millennials 70 30 80 20 that's being nice
3: yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so um, they, those are two things so when we speak to them about gratitude we first have to kind of fight through the arm of entitlement to in their mind mo- the, in their thinking process to get to uh, getting them to understand what gratitude is what does it feel like to experience being Feeling grateful and, and experiencing gratitude.
3: Because mm-hmm.
1: some of them has never—they don't know what that is. What, what is gratitude?
2: Right. And how is that supposed to feel? Yeah, and that's the big thing that you touch on, right? Is how is it supposed to feel? Because I think that is something that can't be taught. By the
1: way, hold your point, and I hope people don't think that we're exaggerating the point. We're not exaggerating this point. This is—I ex- mean, this is this sense of entitlement thing—is a real issue. Oh, it's real. Issue. Go ahead. Yeah, it's real.
2: Um and maybe that speaks to a part of why that issue exists because I believe that it's almost like innate, right? Like you said and you kept emphasizing the word feel. Feel you you feel something and one can't be forced to feel anything. So to try and you could you could teach maybe the the bullet points A, B, and C as to why someone might be grateful for something because of this or because of that. But to teach someone how to feel grateful, not possible. To to teach them that there should be a feeling of being grateful, sure, there can be seminars done on that and and why it's important for people to be grateful for certain things and, and in what situations that might come up. But to actually instill in someone the feeling of gratitude, not doable, in my opinion. I think that that's something that, kind of like love, right? Like you just feel it because it it's there. Something about you feels that way in a, in a in a given situation and that's not necessarily something that can be taught.
1: I would say human beings in general all feel the feeling of gratitude. Mhm. The experience of that. Um but as we've outlined, some may have a more difficult time identifying it because of the, the, those other things that are blocking. Sure. Okay. We, yeah.
2: That makes sense.
1: But what we want to do, of course, is tease it out because we want you to experience not for any selfish reasons. not like we want you to, you know, bow down to daytime. <laughs> bow, <laughs> right, down, right, OCG. right. No, 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 not that. Um, it's human development, call it spiritual development if you want, Um, to be grateful for uh, an experience, a circumstance that's in your best interest,
2: Mm -hmm. that
1: has an ultimate positive uh, effect on you. The adolescents, when we worked with them, they were the most challenging when it came to that because no one lives more in the moment than a teenager.
3: Sure. Yeah.
1: Okay. They have no disregard. Yeah, tomorrow and, feels like have, forever. They have utter disregard for anything in the future, and rightfully so. That's just the way it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what's funny about that? You know what the irony behind that statement? What I just said about adolescence is there's a certain time when you flip over at a certain age where – the whole mantra is for your own well-being and so, spiritual development is learning how to live in the moment. <laughs> all right. Okay. But at adolescence, you know, we, know we, got the, we got the belts, you know, whipping them off the butt. This is all, of course, of course. Right. You know, we're whipping them with the belts. Patience. Think, think about your future, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Think about what you're going to be doing. Think about what this decision is going to affect, how it's going to affect you. Right. As we're whipping them. But they're wired to just live in the moment. They don't, they don't think consequentially. Right. About how how's this going to affect me at age 23, age 22. So, but that's just a necessary part of life. Yeah. And that's why we grow, we go gray. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> but they have an excuse. <laughs> and that's their age. Sure, sure. Okay? That's their excuse. And it's a valid one. Those who have surpassed age 21 chronologically and their minds have finished developing in terms of biologically, right? Yeah. Yeah. Close. Um, We can then spend the time trying to teach them about gratitude and being grateful and etc. Sure. Why it's important. It's important as a human being, but why is it even more important for you, you seeking recovery? And, and how do you go about actualizing that gratitude and that gratefulness? How do you go about showing it? So for me, I'm chewing on a pip, by the way, so if you hear it, I apologize. <laughs> for me, it was, I think what I said earlier about not having the unmitigated goal to complain about anything. Didn't complain about how flat my pillow was. <laughs> or how,
2: how lumpy the mattress lumpy was. The mattress was.
1: <laughs> um, I was grateful that I had a pillow. Grateful I had a mattress. Grateful I had a roof over my head. Grateful I had a place to sleep. And I had all of these things anyway.
3: Yeah. And
1: had food. And I had I had all of these things. And there were people that in, in my peer group and in the larger family that didn't have these things before they came in. Okay, so they had even more reasons to be grateful, right? Sure, but even though I had those things, the addiction um, was still so prevalent that, you know, what what did those things matter when you're in such turmoil? You know, you're not thinking about that you have a nice pillow, a nice mattress. You know, your life is upside down. So you're still grateful that you're you're, you're in a place that you're trying to get your life back in order, back on track, and simultaneous to that, uh, the way I used to describe it to clients is for a period of time you don't have to worry about anything, anything but yourself. You don't have to worry about where you're going to sleep. You don't have to worry about where you're going to eat, what you're going to eat. okay? You just have to worry about yourself. You have no external responsibilities. And that's saying something because there's a lot of people who come in, who came into Daytop, who come into OCG with external responsibilities, young children, right? You know, spouses who depended on them. You know, that they were the main breadwinners and so on and so on and so forth. So there, there's, an, there's an external tu- you know, cord that's constantly tugging at them. That's one of the reasons, by the way. That's one of the reasons why Daytop developed their 90-day program. Which was run out of uh, what's the name of that place now? My mind's going blank. It'll come to me. But one of their smaller uh, residential facilities. What it used to be known as one of their toughest houses, by the way.
2: Was um, it the one in New
1: Jersey? No, it's, it's in New York. Um, oh, okay, but a little closer down to the city. Oh, it's at the tip of my tongue, but. So they came up because, they, you know, people who um, were work that jobs with the transit authority, sanitation department, and, you know, various city agencies mm-hmm. that would only give them, you know, 90 days to get your act together. And so they came up with this 90-day program, and they would go to this particular house and do their 90 days and have an extensive reentry and outpatient program. But also there were people who their family situations were so dire, okay, That um, there were times, and and this is, you know, you talk about being grateful. Times that Daytop did things that I I don't know. um, You know, this is what makes the Monsignor such a very special individual. Mm -hmm. Okay. And because stuff like this doesn't happen unless it, that's the attitude at the, you know from the top from, from, yeah, from filtered the, all the way down from the person right where the people would be in such dire circumstances that would be pulling them pulling them pulling the families would be and the families would be in need cases where the family needed beds they would take go to the warehouse and ship beds to back to the family clothes food or a, a visit was needed for a particular reason. Okay, so they would do a special request, send a strength down with the person, and, and go and handle whatever it w- was needed and come back. Okay, because the circumstances were so dire. It didn't happen, that didn't happen often. But in terms of trying to help the family in other ways, I saw it with my own eyes. One time they shipped bunk beds to Philadelphia. Wow. To Philadelphia. Now we weren't that far from the Pennsylvania state line, but the Philly was a decent ways away. But I was like, "Wow. I mean, really, wow. You know, I mean that the program would do something like that to because they wanted to the 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 client the resident was so important in that resident's well being that they wanted to eliminate the external cord that was pulling that. You know, my my kids are sleeping on the floor. Mm-hmm. We can't afford beds, so. They went to the warehouse and got bunk beds and and shipped them to Philly, for the family. Wow. What kind of program does that?
2: Yeah, no, no, no. you you really have to care. It really has to matter. Like you're not you. The business model is almost backwards. If you were to ask somebody who's into the business for the financial side of things, Mm -hmm. no, this is a business run by someone like you said at the top with the heart, where that just won't fly. We're gonna do what we have to do, and nobody does that. Yeah. That's crazy. Parksville, Parksville. What? You were think, trying to think of the name.
1: No, it's not one of the the big. It's, it, it's it's a smaller house. It's not one of the large facilities. It's it's further downstate. It's still upstate, but it's closer to the city. Okay. Um, I cannot believe I can't remember it. Far rock away. No, it's that's in the city, man.
2: I don't know anything <laughs> about the, the New York. I'm I'm tossing out the ones I've heard you
1: talk about. Um. I want to say it begins with a B. Brownsville. Um, I think one of our listeners knows. <laughs> one of our listeners knows. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think one of our listeners knows.
2: Okay, um, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, take them into the screening room yeah. real
1: quick and see if we can figure yeah. it out. I think she, uh, our listener knows. Um, so, yeah, there, were, there are many reasons to be, um, to be, to, to, to be grateful you know, other than the obvious of just being in um off the street especially during the winter season and yes the treatment facilities always filled up during the winter especially on the east coast nobody wants to be out there when it's you know 10 degrees um 10 degrees outside nobody wants to be out there when it's freezing rain nobody wants to be out there when it's snowing So we're grateful we were grateful that we were off the streets even though it was freezing cold up in the Casco Mountains. But even here out in we're in we're in Northern California, in my opinion it doesn't get that cold. We might have some cold overnights, but still, you know, um being off the streets, not being in jail, um, being able to have your family come and visit on uh Sundays, etc., So Saying all this to say is a lot, a lot, a lot to be grateful for, Mr. Producer. Lots to be grateful for.
2: Oh, absolutely. Now I'm probably gonna butcher the pronunciation of this because the reception wasn't the best,
1: but I think she said Meadow One or Metal One. Oh, she's talking about Meadow Run.
2: That's the
1: one. Yeah. No. That's. Uh,
2: she did say that was a ninety day It's
1: Like a yes, house, you would go yes. for ninety days. But and... There's another house. This is an old school house that <laughs> people feared didn't want to end up in that house because it was tough treatment and it was because it was smaller. Sure. Um. So like, let's say Swan Lake was two fifty, Parksville I think was two ten or two twenty. One of those two. Okay. This one was about one fifty. Wow. One thirty maybe. Okay. So sizable difference, sure, okay, sure. so less people more intense because in two with a two hundred and fifty bed house, you know you can you even though theor- theoretically you can skate, but in in essence, who are you really skating is fooling
3: just right fooling yourself, right
1: right, but theoretically, you can skate by on the fringes, on the edges, you know what i mean sure, but in in this place, it was like. No, you don't you're front want, and center, you're, baby. You're not getting over. It. No way, because <laughs> eh, where is it? You know, it's just like us here. You know, we have a we have a small house here, right? Thirty-two oh, yeah. people. That, right. You're not skating. No, nope. you know, because you're sticking out like a sore thumb. Exactly. Um. Watch when the show's over; it'll pop right into my head the name of the house.
2: If it does then we have a little hook for uh our listeners to yeah. call back in on the 27th. but I'll still be pissed
1: yeah um so we're we're past the uh the top of the hour but um anything else on um on gratitude i talked a little bit about how you actualize it
3: mm-hmm. you know and, mm-hmm. and it's
1: basically really about understanding the little things that are in front of you that you're that you're getting in the treatment experience I think when you're when you're outside of the treatment experience <clears throat> and at whatever stage of your recovery process you're at or if you're just really you know just been out and you're just doing your thing, it's uh just you know being grateful that you know that your life is much different than it was back when back in that day, whenever that day was, whether it was thirty yeah. years ago or five years ago that you know you're grateful that whatever decision or set of circumstances created the opportunity for you to do something different, you did it. And, um, as a result, you're now, so you now sit here in this moment in a different space, right?
2: No, I think that that was said very eloquently, very well. Um, one thing that I'll add, it just speaks more to your point, but it's actually a saying that, um, uh if if he 's out there listening we 've coined a nickname for him uh the Hillsborough hobo i actually didn 't come up with that, but i I backed that up a hundred percent but anyway a uh, um friend of the the show or the program, the, I think the we should explain to
1: people we... that the two- the two words are, di- are dichotomies
2: right the, yes, Hillsboro is a very wealthy exclusive give them the New York version for your new york contingent um
1: park you know park avenue, okay. You know, Park Park Avenue neighborhood, (laughs) folks.
2: Right, right. But um, he told me something that stuck with
1: Sutton Place.
2: Sutton Place. There you go. Um, He told me something that his grandfather had told him, and his grandfather was a very, very, very successful businessman, very successful businessman. uh, At some point, the company that he started and owned was a Fortune 500 company in San Francisco and one thing and it, i think this the saying had more weight coming from a man like his grandfather who had been so wildly successful by any tool that you would use to measure his life um i think the saying held more weight because it came from somebody in that position but he told our friend who who then passed it oh you've got the I name. got
1: it Rhinebeck
2: Rhinebeck. I've actually heard you mention that name the before. Ryan Beck
1: facility. That was the one nobody wanted to go to.
2: Okay. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the saying, and it ties right into gratitude, but had more weight coming from an individual who had made it, it to be such a success in his life, was he said, uh, no matter where you're at, no matter what your status is, financially or otherwise there will always be somebody who has more than you and there will always be somebody who has less than you. And for that to be a reality, no matter what end of the spectrum you're on, this will always be a truth. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of peace of mind that comes into being grateful for and content with where you are. Mm -hmm. if, If you, if you worked your hardest to get there, um, and I think, again, coming from somebody who was in a position that he was in in his life, I think it, it meant a lot because you'd imagine knowing his successes, oh, you're at the top. You know, you, there there's not too many that you could look to that might have more than you. But inevitably, you could be, you know, you could think that, oh, in treatment or whatever, you're kind of at the bottom. I don't have much going for me right now. No matter where you turn and where you look in the world, probably even in your own backyard, Mm -hmm. there's someone who – there will always be someone who has more and always be someone who has less. And there's a lot to be said about being happy with where you are and being grateful for where you are. Um, And I just – that saying has always stuck with me, and I think you know this is a good time to drop that because when I was thinking about us doing that show, I thought about having heard that, Mm -hmm. and, and
1: I think that's important. I'll just tag on to that before we wrap up. It reminds me of an old saying in Daytop that we used to scream at each other. <clears throat> Stop looking outside yourself.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: We've
1: heard that one. We've heard that one a time or two. All right, sir. I that's, think that's good.
2: It. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. We are up against it. However, we do see we've got some people on hold who are looking to participate in the recovery support time segment. Uh, for the listeners we do have a little a curveball that we're going to throw in there um, we do see that we also have some callers who may just want to call to to check in so we are going to take a commercial break and when we get back on the other side we will get into that segment and also take any calls that we have from folks who want to rhyme, rhyme back New
1: York very exclusive neighborhood by the way <laughs>
0: Up next is OCG Radio's Recovery Support Time, where our hosts provide support and guidance for your recovery-related questions and issues. Recovery Support Time, where it's our time to help you.
2: As the engineer I uh I make executive decisions myself and I will drop sound clips right over the host trying to come back on if that's what he so chooses to do. <laughs> I have no remorse in that area.
1: You got a little day top history for us. Real quick, yeah. Um, our our caller wasn't was was not quote unquote technically wrong in saying Meadow Run. Meadow Run was the Intermediate term facility. So you had the two main residential centers of Swan Lake and Parksville. You had the adolescent facility in Millbrook. Okay. Which was known as the or became known as the William A. Shiver, I think it's pronounced. Youth Center. And then the Brightside Manor House, Rhymedek, New York there that's, was. that's the short the ninety day short term uh program. The House of Hard Knocks. Uh, right. And uh, the other house of hard knocks, the, the traditional long term, the real house of hard knocks that nobody wanted to end up at in Rhinebeck, New York, was Springwood. That's the name I was looking for.
2: Springwood.
1: Yes. Um, nobody wanted to go there. And I have no idea, <laughs> like I was telling you, Still you know, a off, while. off, off uh, air, how people were chosen to go to what facility. Huh, yeah. I have no idea what the thinking was and blah, 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 blah. Um, but I was fortunate enough to experience, um, you know, being at Swan Lake, as I've been going through as a resident, to working there and also working at Parksville. And it's interesting, you know, there's there's a little bit of, you know, healthy, uh, what do you call it, um, competition. Okay. Between the two, because we did play sports against each other sure, and, you know, sure. what, in what a not? facility yeah, competition. competition. Um, but uh, when I went over there to work, um, it's just funny how, because, you know, the family adopts you, you adopt the family, yeah, and then it just, you know, that becomes your family now, you know, right. so all of a sudden now you're an outcast from Swan Lake. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know? funny. It, but it just shows, you know, it doesn't matter where you go. To be honest, ultimately, it doesn't matter where you go. They're gonna take you in, adopt you and love you. That's it. Um so that's it. Uh Springwood. Those are those are the, the residential facilities. And this this I have a lot of calendars. This one is from two thousand three, but I kept all the calendars that they, they gave out. Okay. Good little
2: keepsakes. Move on, uh, we will move on to our infamous X-Files segment for a moment. Yeah, real quick, a couple of X-Files.
1: <laughs> um, Brooklyn from Miami. With me being a recovering alcoholic, how do I manage going to bars and events? Considering I'm in the fashion entertainment industry. I think we've gotten a similar question before. And the answer remains the same. Um, You have to get to the point at least my idea is that you get to the point as a uh, person in recovery that you can be in any environment and it's not going to dictate What you do. When that time comes for each person is specific to that individual, but that should be the goal. You should be able to be stuck in an elevator with 16 people smoking crack and it doesn't interfere or dictate. So that's the analogy I use. Little John. Little John is how he writes it, San Mateo. My friends don't seem like they support me. What can I do to get their support? Well, you can't force support. Um, your choices are to seek out other friends or other folks who, who, who are maybe willing to provide support. We actually, I don't actually know what – seems like there's more to the story behind this question. So we don't know if it's a case of the friends are living a lifestyle that is different from the person in recovery, and as a result, they're not able to support them. Um, I find it hard that if the friends are positive that they wouldn't want to support you. So if, if the case is that they're, they're not positive and so they're, they're not, they can't be there for you because of what they're doing and you're, you're doing something different, then you have to find a different support system. And this is something that you should acquire throughout the recovery process. That should be a part of the process of the recovery process is acquiring different support systems. So let's go to Jason from Los Angeles. Welcome to the show.
4: Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome. So, um I wanted to give a gratitude to um the fact that in treatment I've been attending different groups such as NVC and codependency and it's really helped me um helped me strengthen strengthen my relationship with my mother and other family members. Um And it's made it easier to be in treatment during the holidays because I've been struggling with Christmas coming up and New Year's coming up and not being able to be with my family. So it's just, it's made it easier me seeing my growth um, from different groups and from support systems I have in recovery and um, strengthening that relationship with my mom. I've seen... A lot more support and love come from her from her seeing me mature and me grow in recovery so i'm really grateful to be in treatment and learn new things and it's definitely made it a lot easier to be here throughout the holidays knowing that i'm here and i'm growing and i'm bettering myself um so when i do leave recovery i'll have that support and i'll definitely be more grateful for the holidays i'll have with my family
1: um, that sounds excellent. I want to I want to give you one just one twist on one thing that you said. You said when you leave recovery, so leave different treatment. way. There you go. Leave treatment, and because yeah. the recovery experience will continue.
4: Correct. I agree.
1: It'll just it'll just change, but it'll continue.
3: Yeah. And I also want to
1: point agree. out and this is just something for you to you don't have to comment it's just a thought for you to take away that how interesting is it that when we change and when we think differently and then act differently how people around us within our immediate family mothers fathers sisters brothers cousins aunts uncles etc how it affects their what their attitude and behavior towards you is. Just keep That's note of angry. that. Okay. I will. All right. I will. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.
2: We got breaking information here from one of our callers. Uh, about the a potential theory as to why nobody wanted to go to the facility that you were mentioning the Rybeck facility uh breaking news breaking news uh the caller states that its proximity to 40th Street which apparently is where many of the big wigs of the organization had their headquarters
1: that was uh, that was the headquarters
2: that was the headquarters <clears throat> that that's why nobody wanted to be there because it was so close. They felt if they got ever got in any trouble, the the decision makers were uh, a stone's throw away, if you will. And the consequences <laughs> might come down heavy and fast. It took the message uh, a little longer to travel up into the woods where some of you
1: others were. Okay. So here's my, here, here was my unknowledgeable, if that's a word take. And I still to this day, don't know. So I appreciate that. Um, we thought that a couple of things. One, that it was the knucklehead, the real, real, real knuckleheads. This is why we thought that. Everyone who went there for their staff training, mm-hmm. anyone who worked there, who the directors that were there, were, for lack of a better expression, hard asses. Okay. I mean, they were, you know, bare knuckles, I mean, tough you know, take no prisoners, you know, giving it, just giving it to you.
3: Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: Hardcore. Okay. And you just hear these stories about how this director was and how treatment, you know, how the encounter groups were and how treatment were. And it was just like, don't want to go there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so have. I
1: never thought about that from that perspective that, you know, about the proximity. Sure. 40th street. As one of the reasons why no one wanted to, <laughs> we don't want to be that close. <laughs> right, right. Um, so that, that's interesting.
2: And you know what? I can, I can, I guess, say to the caller's point from a client's perspective, um, you yourself as the executive of the California program have offices at both sites and whenever you're on whatever site you're on those those clients are a little more on edge than when you're across town at your other <laughs> office so maybe the 40th street uh being right there did have something to do with it okay that's interesting all right um as if a text message or a phone call couldn't get to you just as quickly
1: from that's, wherever that's you are right. today's today's <laughs> world uh and 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 not too far coming down the pike is going to be Telehealth right okay yep. which, will, uh, it, which is basically video conferencing in terms of uh, treatment and assessment and all that stuff that we're, that's going to be coming into place into reality very soon. I'm not I'm breaking news, okay um, and so um, you won't even have to you know, you, you know be at the site to have a face to face with a client if you need to for good reasons or bad. So that world is coming. Uh if
2: I had found the sound bite sooner I would have dropped that before you broke that breaking okay. news but uh we're dropping it
1: anyway. Okay. Breaking news again. About the uh the telehealth. are how many how many clips are you working with? You're 50? We, we got at least 50. We got to okay. clean up the soundboard a little okay. bit. All
3: right.
1: <laughs> um, let's go back to our X-File. I think right, right, right. Dominic from San Bruno, if I go to a pro... Uses. Hmm. What does he mean by be, 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 be with my girlfriend that uses? Because when you go into a program, you go in alone. And yes, you might have connections established outside. Established, but they don't come in with you. So I wonder what that be means. How was
2: the question phrased?
1: If I go into a program, should I still be with my girlfriend that uses? Uh, I would so have, it's that be, you know.
2: The way I read that would be, you know, should I still maintain this relationship, or should I break things off? Should I, should I still keep whomever it is as my significant other?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: The universe has a way of handling that. Handle- if you are serious about your recovery and the person that you are involved with romantically is using be faced with a very cold hard decision mhm and not many you know make it i sure. mean make the decision cuz the decision would be that i have to go in a different direction until you can do something different because you and I can't be a couple if you're going to be doing this life and I'm trying to do this life Right. Okay. doesn't mean I don't care about you doesn't mean I don't love you what it means is that we just can't be together mm-hmm. as a romantic couple doesn't mean that if you get your act together that things can't things work things out can't, right. there cannot be a consideration for something to to be different but right now and this is where that word comes into play it's you got to be selfish, right? It's about me. But historically speaking, when 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 we become aware of these circumstances and situations, what wins out more often than not, unfortunately, is I'll say the word, but I won't. It, it's not really that, but that's the only word we have. Love wins out, right? But right? But not for the right reasons. I agree with that. Not for the right reasons. I agree with that. And then the end result is usually not good for either party. So the person that's trying to get recovery ends up getting just sucked back into the vortex eventually. Yeah, unfortunately. And that's usually the end result. That's just truth. Not for everybody. Yeah, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but that's just a cold hard reality from my historical perspective. I agree. Okay, let's go to Alfonso from San Jose. Welcome to the show, hey. Alfonso. Yeah, hi. Hi. Thank
5: you guys for having me. You're welcome. Um, so I'm I'm just calling um uh, just to thank you guys just to give some gratitude um especially on during these holidays um where. You know, for a lot of people, staying clean and sober is 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 hard, um, especially being away from family. And I um, just want to thank you guys for for having the radio show to to uh, for the knowledge and the wisdom that you guys are are giving us. Um, I am in the recovery program over here in uh, San Jose, and you know, I was grateful. I went to family court today. And because of my decision to stay in the recovery um, I still maintain my joint custody um I wasn't gonna go, but you know growing in recovery, they showed me that I had to face um you could say my giants my giants in, in life instead of running away from them and um man, I'm just it's so grateful to be. Clean and sober, you know, and um once again, just thanking you guys for for this show.
1: well, you're very welcome and uh guess who, guess whos going to benefit as a result of your gratitude
5: my, well first I, my sons exactly'. My sons are 'Cause I, I went I went to court, um, I wasn't gonna go and I was like, you know what, I I have to face this, I can't run away from it. Um, and by me going, um, it turned out the way I didn't expect it to be. You know, um I thought my kids were gonna be taken away from me and but none of that happened. Um, and that was all because man, of uh, being grateful, you know, to God for being uh, clean and sober. It was all because of being in recovery, man. That's just, It was all about just being in recovery. And, that, and I'm starting to see that the light at the end of the tunnel that when you really truly do, do good, good things do start to happen, even though it might not take or might not come as fast as one wants it. Um, yeah.
1: I have nothing to add to that. Yeah. just
5: very very grateful through the holidays. Very, very grateful. All right. Thank you guys for for the wisdom that you guys are giving us.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. So how about that?
2: Pretty amazing. Pretty powerful stuff. Um.
1: So initially there was a chance that the fear mm-hmm. – the fear was going to win out, dictate the behavior, but he decided to take the fear, put it in his back pocket, confront it, fight through it, and the end result is his fear was not realized It was all of his own creation. Right. When, in fact, what spoke the volumes externally was his deeds. That's what was looked at, showing up, number one, showing up in court. Yeah. And then what have you been doing with your life, you know? Yep. So that's what... um, he was being judged on in those that spoke volumes, regardless at that moment in time of how he felt. So that's a good learning experience, a good learning lesson um, for him, for our listeners. And we're purposely not live streaming today into the program. Right. Um, but they would, will get a listen uh, on DVD Um, so that's, that's a good story that we like to hear. That's where we get our little, uh, fix (laughs) as, as staff persons in the recovery field. Um, when you hear stories like that of a person going, you know, in the process and, and experiencing positive results of being in the process and, um, having them speak to it and you can hear, you know, hear, it. we can't see the person, but you can hear in their voice, uh, you know, the, you know, how, how, how good they feel about seeing, you know, as he as using his own words, a light at the end of the tunnel, experiencing it. How many times do we tell people to, you know, you know, you know, only babies get what they want when they want it. So you got to, you know, patience. Take your time. It'll come. Stick with it. Or as Larry Thomas said, well, let's, let's forget about Larry Thomas for a second. Al Davis used to always, we have to figure out a way to steal or, you know, or co-opt his phrase into our a phrase that we can use. Because he used to always say, what, just win baby, right? Would it be appropriate to say "Just stay baby or would that be it? yeah, I think or that's would a... the baby be in the inappropriate words
2: no, no, no <laughs> I, th- I think that's appropriate
1: um, how are we doing on time, sir?
2: Oh, we're good. We have about ten minutes, okay.' It's just
1: stretching here. Let's go to Laura from Sacramento. Welcome to the show Hello, hi
6: hello, um so Today I'm grateful for my sobriety and that I woke up with a clear head and I'm able to go to work and take care of business and uh, have a good family that supports me and a good support system.
1: All of those are excellent things to be grateful for. Now let me ask you a question. Uh Uh-huh. How do you think those on the other side i e your family members, parents, siblings, et cetera. how do you think they feel? looking at you, uh, seeing what you are doing and what you've accomplished to this point, how do you think they feel?
6: I know that or you may know are, how they feel they may
1: have expressed it to you,
6: oh yeah, um well, especially my dad, because I know I put him through so much, just watching me uh struggle. And, um, I know that they're all just overjoyed, um uh, my daughter and yeah, everybody in my family, but I know that my daughter is feeling um I can tell that she feels more comfortable, I think she's um starting to understand that um you know I am gonna be a constant um you know, not just coming in and out, and she's starting to open up to me a lot more um and my dad how old, is, dad she? How old
1: says,
6: is she she she's seven.
1: Oh, okay.
6: Yeah. Um, So she's, you know, telling me and sharing more of her life with me. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. she lives with her dad. Um, So last night she was telling me about she wanted to join Girl Scouts, and that's just stuff that I haven't been involved in in a really long time. So it makes me feel really good that she's excited to tell me things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And my dad's sick. Um, He's got Parkinson's, so he's, Mm -hmm. you know, dealing with physical Um. You know, he can't work anymore, so I know he's feeling kind of useless, and um, it depresses him. So I know seeing me um, and my sister, who also struggled with addiction and in and out of prison for a long time, to see, you know, his his daughters um, on the other end doing good, um, I know is a huge sense of relief for him. Um, so it feels really good, especially during the holidays when you know when I was out there not talking to them and wondering, you know, what they were thinking and just to be able to, um, you know, be a part of their lives and be welcome in their homes. Um, is it's just, it's a good feeling.
3: It's a really good
1: feeling. If you want to know what they were thinking and what they were feeling, all you have to do is think about your daughter and what you would think and what you would feel if she were doing the same thing
6: yeah and that's something i don't want to imagine and i know that um as a child of of an addict and you know their parents being addicts and just i have to break the cycle because i don't want my daughter sitting you know where i was last year and i don't want to be you know worried about it i have thought about that and it's um i couldn't imagine and so everything that i put my parents through um you know, I I I don't want to go through that, and I'm I'm doing what I can to make sure that my daughter is educated and understands, you know, addiction and um, you know what not to do and to have goals and you know and have an open line of communication because uh, I don't want her to have to struggle like I did, and I don't want to have to go through that with her. That would be terrifying.
1: Okay, another question. Um. Do you have any guilt from from, from that experience? The experiences uh, you've talked about?
6: Yeah, I do. Um, but I think okay, one thing that i right really taken... Yeah.
1: Just a yes or no question? Yes. Okay. Get rid of it.
6: Yeah, well, I'm definitely learning how to forgive myself, and which helps. Um, I don't okay. carry quite as much as I used to.
0: All right.
1: My life uh, is let much me ta- more peaceful. Okay, let, let me tell you something. You, there's no such thing as learning to forgive yourself.
3: Okay.
1: So learning with the ing at the end, there's no such thing as learning to forgive yourself. You learn, i.e., someone explains to you what the pro- how, how you go about doing it. Okay, and then what happens is either you decide to do it or you don't. And if you okay. don't do it, or if you are having a problem doing it and then, boom, moving forward, okay, the question is, well, why, why are, are you having a problem forgiving yourself and then, boom, moving? Yeah. Well, why is it this extended period of forgiving, you know, and, and learning? No. You, someone teaches you, this is how you go about doing it, how you accomplish it. And then now it's just a decision on whether or not you want to do it or not. If you don't, why not? What's holding you back? So that's that on the forgiving thing. On the guilt side, this is very important. Okay. You must eliminate the guilt.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Because guilt causes people to do and do certain things and be certain ways. Yeah. Okay. And one of the things you can't be uh, properly and then let's say successfully with guilt is a very good responsible parent. Mm-hmm. Cuz guilt would cause you to do certain things that you wouldn't ordinarily do if you didn't feel that. You know what I'm saying? So you have to yeah. and and the and it's interesting that you mentioned the forgiveness because it's kind of they're kind of they have a, this little link together there, right? Mm-hmm. And When they're both done, when you enact one of them, it causes the other one to come into play, drop off the radar, okay? And then you're totally free. You're totally, totally, 100% free.
6: Yeah. Yeah, I... I, So what's
1: what's, what's stopping you from forgiving yourself?
6: Um, I, I think I've. Um, I don't think I carry a lot, like a lot of long term guilt. But stuff comes up, you know, like with my daughter now, and I I feel guilty, but I can kind of work through it. So I don't really feel like I have a whole lot of guilt that I'm just carrying around. I think it's just like you know situational. Sometimes I feel a little bit, and then I have to forgive myself for it. So. Right,
1: I understand you what some... you're saying,
6: though.
3: The process. I'm going to
1: give you something. I'm going to give you something different to look at since you explained it that way sometimes sometimes people can will confuse like in the, and just using the example you use you might be you know having an interaction with your daughter and you know it just this feeling flashes through something that transpires causes you to feel a certain way blah 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 sometimes it's not necessarily guilt okay sometimes it's just a momentary sadness okay because of a memory of an experience, you know, of, of your experience. Are you fine? Yeah. I know I just sounded complicated, but do you understand what I'm saying?
6: Yeah, I do. I do.
1: Okay. And it is perfectly okay. So I tell people all the time it is okay to experience that sadness, even if it's fleeting, even if it's momentary. It's not something we sit in, obviously. That's okay. Your mind is never going to forget where you've been and what you've experienced. And you're always yeah. going to have. You know, especially if you have a child and you had those experiences, you know, while your child was young, it's always going to have reminders of that because the child is there. Okay. Yeah. Very different, you know, about siblings and parents. Okay. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So when you forgive yourself, that eliminates the guilty part, but there still can be moments when you experience sadness because it reminds you of, wow, I wasn't there at this time or I wasn't there at that time and that's okay as long as we don't sit in that
6: yeah let it fester and
1: and and why we don't sit in it is very simple we don't sit in it because we've forgiven ourselves for that experience and we've moved from that experience but our mind won't if we can't wash our brains from that memory though
6: yeah that makes sense okay yeah
3: Definitely. I'm glad it makes Thank sense you. to you because it sounded real complicated to me. All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I, I get it.
6: Thank you. All
1: right. You're very welcome.
6: All right. Have a good night.
1: Okay. Bye-bye.
2: Bye.
1: Boy, that was a roundabout way of making the point.
2: You got to the point, though. You got to the point. That's all right. We went on a little bit of a ride. <laughs> Uh, you got about one minute, sir. So I'm going to give you your typical 20 second sign off. I'm going to wait 10 seconds because that's usually
1: about when you. Um, let's see, what do I want to add that I didn't add? (laughs) I loved being in treatment around this time of the year. Yeah, I remember you spoke about that in the last show. It was to me. It's just it's fond, fond, fond memories for me. And again, that's not to take away that I didn't have fond memories with my, you know, my own family. Right. We did. Sure. We had wonderful memories, but um, think of making, you know, the daytop family, wherever you were located, really feel like a family, and Maybe. you really felt it more this time of the year. Yeah. And I don't. If, did we? I don't know if we got. Yeah, I think we. We did. They did do. James way store. I think that's the name of it somewhere in to shop for a $10 gift or whatever.
3: There you go.
2: There you go. (laughs) Nice. No, you know what? Uh, The job is well done Mm -hmm. and, and that does, that does make it special um, because we're empathetic to the, the position that everybody is in around this time. So Mm -hmm. absolutely agree. All right, folks. Well, uh, as it currently stands, we're going to be back live on the 27th of December. Uh, so it'll be right after some of us out there have celebrated Christmas. For those of you celebrating any other holiday during this time, we wish, we wish everybody a happy holiday season, uh, fun and uh, safe couple of weeks here and some great weekends, great times with the fan. I knew it. Damn, I knew it. I should have waited
1: the 10 seconds. What is it? I will want to tell the story in the <laughs> our next show of how I found out about my my maternal and paternal great-grandparents. okay. Perfect. That's what
2: we'll do. We have something to look forward to. So again, happy holidays, everybody. We will see you all in a couple of weeks.
0: This evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on BlogtalkRadio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash OCG WorkCA. And on Twitter at OCG Work You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio.